Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Murder Mosas. I'm Day. And I'm Ree. I'm Ruby. And it's a new week on the podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed. I like my little vocals I just did right there. Um, (laughs) I hope y'all enjoyed um, last week's episode, reliving, reminiscing our last year of episodes. Um, Yeah. So what are are y'all drinking today? I am drinking Ciroc Summer Citrus. Ow! Do you like it? it. You mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I just opened it because I bought a second bottle. Because I didn't want to open it with just having one bottle. So anyway, I mixed it with... (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. I know you're thinking. I know what oh, you're no thinking. Oh, no explanation. But it's just is what that I how do. it is? Okay. It's just what I do. <laughs> you gotta have a bad Anyway, got the got the. It's got pineapple juice and a splash of Sprite and a little cranberry juice and a little orange carousel and a little orgiat syrup. Yeah. That sounds delicious. It's it looked good too. She got the damn, ice. I know. The ice good. moving around and shit. Like. <laughs> That color is so good. Shit's popping. Shout out to Diddy. (laughs) (laughs) Ruby, what are you drinking? I'm drinking fucking root beer and vodka. She'd be mixing the wildest shit. Interesting combination. (laughs) That is some country ass shit right there. That's so interesting. I don't know. I feel like with with like vodka, I always mix it with like clear drinks. Always well, bright for me. It's vanilla yeah. vodka, so it just tastes like vanilla, vanilla root, yeah, root beer. Yeah, it tastes like a root beer float. Yeah, that could be interesting. Might mm-hmm. be onto something there. Doesn't Smirnoff have like marshmallow, like ice cream flavored or something? That's gross. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I don't I'm just saying it would taste like a root beer flow. Well, there's no there's the um the uh not your father's root beer. That one's good. Mm-hmm. It tastes like an alcoholic root beer float. It's pretty good. Those things get you fucked up, low key. They they yeah, they get you fucked up back. Anyway. You know what I randomly thought about the other day? Mm. When I almost died drinking all those angry orchards. When we were, when you and Chad were just dating and we were at his house and I drank so many when we were driving oh. home and you had to pull over in the middle of the highway. Like we yeah. were on the highway. Yeah. Ruby I'm still can't like, keep up. She still can't hang. <laughs> Can you keep up? It's not good though. Because there's, there's some things I can't keep up with. So it's fine. <laughs> No, I don't. I it's been a long time since I've had an angry orchard. <laughs> and the green apple is my favorite. Remember when I used to mix it with Fireball? <laughs> Can't do that God. anymore. God, no. They used to be my go to is an angry orchard with a shot of Fireball in it. That was my go to. <laughs> that sounds <just> so gross. <laughs> that was my go to. Thinking back on it, I'm like, what the fuck? Why well, was I even drinking Fireball to begin with? But because i don't even like cinnamon like that so like why am i drinking cinnamon whiskey (laughs) (laughs) cinnamon. i think it was just you know it was one of those college ones that you leave behind in college 
it's like sorry to anyone who still drinks it i don't know we've been scarred (laughs) drinking svetka well i don't mind the strawberry lemonade flavor svetka but all the rest of them no thank you i will pass um but anyway i'm drinking water um sham's club water bottle over here (laughs) a little fancy we got a little deal over here you know (laughs) bargain water (laughs) bargain water um anything interesting happened this week y'all i got a car why did i forget about that already and that literally just happened like two hours ago I know. I got shit. (laughs) I got a brand new car. It's I we still have Lexi, but you know, you know, she'll be gone soon enough. It's fine. Um, but her name is Luna. She is a Volkswagen Tiguan, and I'm so excited. I didn't know how to pronounce that name, so I'm glad you said it out loud. We had to watch a video um before (laughs) (laughs) that's how I know how to say it. Well, that's like how I watched all the Kia Sorento uh, videos before I got my Kia. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, how to say that, I just, you know. <laughs> it's, it's already, like, there's features in it that are just really blowing my mind that are, like, have been the bare minimum for at least the last 10 years. Like, I have heated seats now. And Ooh, I, I know. And uh, there's, I don't even need, like, to plug in my phone. Um, for it to connect, it just like connects. Mm-hmm. That's you got the Apple CarPlay thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was, I was just... like, oh my god, I don't need an aux cord, dude. <laughs> dude, it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's great. When the when I got my car, when the uh, guy showed me how to do that, I was like, huh? And then I didn't even. T- oh, you know, I did tell you. So I can start my car from my keys and from my phone, and like if it's cold That's outside. Nice. I can um, go to the app and like have it like turn the heater on and, and have my seats heating when I get Absolutely. in. And I'm like, bruh, this is how you know we ain't never had shit in life because, <laughs> <laughs> right? Smallest things with these cars. It's like, oh my God. Like, remember when I was texting about my sunroof? <laughs> yes. I have a sunroof. <laughs> And the thing is, is, I didn't even notice I had one until we left the dealership, like after we already bought the car. <laughs> you just look up, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, but yeah, new car gang. Whoop. We hopefully be joining coming. the gang soon. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> but anything interesting happen to you, Re? Of course not. <laughs> Oh, I was about to say nothing happened to me either, but I ate Sonic for the first time this week for the first time in 10 years. 10 years I have not eaten Sonic because I got food poisoning from eating mozzarella sticks there. That'll do it. Yeah, something with this pregnancy was like, you want a burger from Sonic and a drink with some nerds in it, you know, and some Mm -hmm. cheddar peppers. So I went and got it. Cheddar peppers. Although I was kind of mad because the jalapeno that's in the cheddar peppers or whatever was real tough. Like it wasn't right. But um, I mean, it, wasn't it just doesn't taste the same anymore. Simple it doesn't. 
it doesn't, it doesn't taste like it used to because I used to eat Sonic, you know, before I stopped eating there, I used to eat Sonic every Friday. I'll get a double cheeseburger, tater tots, and a strawberry limeade every Friday. But it's not the same. Yeah. So weak for those cheddar peppers, though. <laughs> so weak. They were decent. They were decent. It's just a little tough, but it was fine. They, they have been because I had some maybe a few months back. Cause I was just like excited, like, whoa, let me get some. And no, never. <laughs> no. <laughs> All you gotta do is disrespect me one time. <laughs> you won't see me again. Disrespect well, like, my taste buds and I'll see you later. For the longest time, I didn't eat Chick-fil-A. I didn't start eating Chick-fil-A until I was like well into college because when I was like eight, I threw up after eating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Papa Do's did that to me. And everybody knows how much I love Papa Do's, but I had that fondue with the oysters and all of that shit in it. Oh. And it really disrespected the shit out of me in my whole <laughs> entire life. I didn't eat Papa Do's for like five or six years. See, at least I know I'm not the only one that'll be breaking up at restaurants for a while. I will. You can get the fuck out of here. I, I, broke up with the, I broke up with the whole food group sushi. I remember like years, it was like <laughs> oh, four years group. ago. A whole food group so, because four years ago. Because you used to eat that cheap ass sushi from school. Dude. Oh, yeah, but on. that but that didn't even do me wrong. That did me right. It was from a restaurant and it did me wrong. I was literally still at the restaurant. And it hit me and I was like, oh, got to go. And I left and then I didn't even make it onto 121 <laughs> and I had to pull over and I was just like, I was dying. <laughs> so I haven't ate sushi right. in like four years. Well, let us know if y'all break up with food too. Um, <laughs> yep. So we're not alone over here. Um, anyway, I guess we can get into it. Who wants to go first this week? I'll go because I have a story to tell. Oh. Isn't that what we do here? <laughs> so all right. like, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, this story was actually inspired by my old boss because <laughs> he kind of just like sparked a memory. Uh, when he texted me the other day because we used to work with this guy who I actually thought might end up doing what I'm about to tell you guys about one day. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Real weirdo. Anyway, <laughs> John Felton Parrish. He was born on the 4th of July. Ain't that some shit. Anyway. Baby, you're a firework. <laughs> <laughs> he was born here in Dallas. Um, they don't have anything about his childhood because they didn't do shit like that. I mean, they didn't put all that type of stuff in the. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia. His Wikipedia is like super short. Anyway, um, John was like super going through it. Like he just was. I mean, wasn't shit going his way. He um he was going through a divorce. He lost his kids in the custody battle. Uh, his brother needed a second kidney, not a first one, but a second one. And his sister had just died from cancer. Um, some people say that John was like a quiet person. He didn't have a police record. 
and uh, he started working for um, a truck driving company. It's called Western Transportation. So this was in September of 1980. Now, before he worked for Western, he worked for a company called Jewel T Warehouse. Now, those folks said that John was a troublemaker and he was a trash ass worker, you know, all that slick shit and told Western, hey, don't send him over here to deliver a goddamn thing. So Western comes back to John and is like, hey, you can't make deliveries at Jewel T. John like, cool. So like uh, two weeks before this incident that you'll find out in a second, uh, like July 26th, John was arguing with the uh, one of his supervisors like, hey, y'all owe me $1,600. Now, today $1,600 is a lot, but I'm pretty sure in 1980, it was a lot, lot. So um, the supervisor was like, nah, you didn't work enough to get $1,600. So you're not getting it. Fucking deal oh. with it. Oh, no. So play with John my was, money. Exactly. So now John is hot as fucking fish grease. So he's like, he's telling his brother, like, these motherfuckers treat me like trash. I'm a grown ass man. I ain't got time for this shit. So... And on August 9th, John went into Western Transportation Company. It's in Grand Prairie. So it's kind of like, what, about an hour from me. He went in there to go chat with his supervisor, Eddie, to see if maybe he changed his mind. Let me see if maybe Eddie has come to his senses and he's going to give me my money. Nah, was, that ain't happening. That ain't what happened. <laughs> Eddie was still like, nah. So John killed him right there. John had three guns on him, matter of fact. So he goes, he continues on through a building. He sees uh, Martin Moran, who's a driver, killed him. He goes down some more. He sees the operations manager, Moody Smith, kills him too. So then he goes outside and he sees a bobcat he takes it, all this stuff is like within like miles of each other. So he takes the Bobcat, he drives up the street to uh, Western's company office, kills the executive secretary. There's a receptionist there as well. He shoots her, but he gets her like in the shoulder and the neck. She survives. He goes down the hall some more. He shoots the operations manager in the head. So now he takes um, one of the women hostages and he's looking for one of the other executives. And he's like, you know, if I can't find him, I'm gonna kill you. So he ends up has, having a change of heart because he realized that he knew her husband. So he let her go. So then he hops back in the fucking Bobcat, drives up four miles to Jewel T. Remember Jewel T is the people who said he wasn't shit. So he gets up there, gets to that warehouse, kills the district sales manager, goes up the hall a little bit more. He bumps into uh, bumps into another guy, but um, I think he misses or something. 
So then he keeps it moving and he sees um, another gentleman. I think his name is Rick. He sees him, shoots him in the jaw. This shot kills him, but he gets stands over him and shoots him in the head to make sure. Um, he moves, he keeps it going. He actually, he shot somebody else, uh, Robert Sarabia, but he just kind of like was able to get away. So he survived one, uh, it's only like two people who survived. So, um, he leaves the building and I guess the, the Bobcat must've been too far. So he sees an 18 wheeler and, um, the 18, the guy driving the 18 was like, Oh shit, man with a gun. He jumps out of the truck and breaks his foot. Cause that's just like how hard he was trying to get away. And I get it. He survived by the way. Um, so John jumps in the truck. Mind you, he'd been a truck driver for 20 years, so he can drive the shit out of the truck. He gets in a truck. Um, he starts driving by now after he killed six people, the police, um, have set up like a, barricade or whatever um they start shooting into the truck he gets hit he uh flips the truck the whole fucking truck starts rolling he gets out and finds some little cubby hole or whatever but the police just start shooting into the cubby hole and uh he's ultimately killed and i think it's like seven or eight shots that killed him and all of this happened in 27 minutes what he started at he started at eight o'clock and it was over at 8 27 uh-uh wow yeah he was beasted (laughs) and it feels like 27 minutes like i guess nobody i guess well you know that's not today nobody had a cell phone so basically i guess they had to run around the building and find a phone and then if it wasn't that many people in the building because maybe work started at nine so maybe it was only a few people in the building but yeah, yeah 27 minutes 27 minutes moral of the story moral story don't go into work um before 9 a.m also be nice to your workers people <laughs> seriously <That> too. <laughs> be nice okay and if somebody's weird fire them nicely <laughs> but that's why even if i don't like somebody i still am super nice because you never know yeah. who going to no we've we talk about way too much at work like what we would do if someone came in but like our front doors to the place we work are you have to have a badge to come in but still it's glass like it's glass it's glass doors so someone can just shoot through it and then come in so and still get in <laughs> yeah we, we it think would about take a while to get where you got it well you might could take out a floor but it'd take a little bit to get where you got to get in my building not that that he would well, wipe out our whole shit, our whole where warehouse. where me and re used to work together it's hard to get in them buildings oh, <laughs> yeah well we used to your ass ain't you get up you ain't getting nowhere but to that you're front not, desk yeah you're not getting nowhere <laughs> because there. you ain't like, gonna at that building you won't even be able to figure out the fucking elevator exactly <laughs> <laughs> the elevator is so confusing the elevator is wild as hell <laughs> yeah and it couldn't get no you can't even get past the lobby without a badge and like you have to go through like this little yeah mm-mm. yeah so they all you can do right is there. i guess kill the people in the front that's it over the top but <laughs> that's, that's it, it. <laughs> and then you still gotta figure <laughs> out the damn elevators right. so good luck <laughs>
<laughs> Lord. Um, I'm gonna go next. Um again, you all know I stopped checking the Instagram page, so just bear with me if anybody's done this. I don't think anybody has though. Um what's the murder of Angela Samoda? Um, she was a student at SMU in Dallas, so <laughs> right down the street. Um she was in a sorority and was studying uh, computer science and electrical engineering. Um, and on October 12th, 1984, Angela and two friends, a male and a female, went to the state fair. Um, after they went to a club called the Rio Room. I don't know if that's still a thing. It sounds familiar, but I don't know if that's still a thing in the Dallas area. I don't know. Um, but she was like very popular and seemed to know everybody. She was having fun just like any other college kid would uh, at a club. She uh, was socializing with everybody or whatever. Um, but they end up leaving and she drops her friends off at their apartments near uh, McKinney Avenue. Um, so this is like really like just just because I know where these places are. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, so before she went to her apartment, she stopped by her boyfriend's apartment to say goodnight before going home. Um, and he didn't go out with them because he had to work early in the morning. So she just went by to say goodnight at like one something at like midnight. I don't know. Um, and according to her boyfriend, she uh, made it home and then called him around 1.45 a.m. and said that there was a man in her apartment um, who'd asked to use her phone and her bathroom. Um, and all she said on the phone was talk to me. Like, you know how if you're like in like a sketchy situation, I would call Ruby be like, bitch, just be on the phone with me real quick. Like, <laughs> um, so that's kind of what she was doing. Um, but then she said she would call him back, but she never did. So he called her phone and no one answered. So he went over to the apartment. Um, she He knocked on the door, but of course nobody opened. So he called the police. Um, and nobody had cell phones back then, but with his job, he worked construction. They gave him like one of the super early models of um, cell phones to where he had to call an operator phone. to get him uh, to get him through to the police. So the police got there. They arrived around 2.17 a.m. Sorry, y'all. I'm out of breath. <laughs> they broke down the door um, and she was dead. She was naked, bloody. She had been raped and stabbed. Um, they had no leads on the suspect, um, because they really were just going based on the conversation she had with her boyfriend. Um, and so they end up thinking that it was her boyfriend that could have killed her. So they investigate him, her guy friend that they went out with that night. They think it could have possibly been, possibly been him as well. Um, and the case, like, again, this started, this happened in 1984. The case goes unsolved until 2008, um, in 2006, a Dallas detective named Linda Crum, um, used the DNA evidence to find a match. Um, and the results match Donald Bess, who was out on parole at the time of the murder. Um, and her friend, Sheila was, and who was also her roommate was the reason why, um, anyone even looked into the case again, because she repeatedly called them over and over again. It was like, y'all need to reopen this. Y'all need to reopen this. And Sheila even became a private investigator because of this happening. So, Aww. yeah, and she's still, I believe she's still a private investigator like today. Um, and so Donald, um, at the time, at this time, he was already in jail for life um, when the connection was made. Um, 
1978, he was convicted of sexual assault and kidnapping. He was sentenced to 25 years, but was out on parole at the time of Angela's murder. He was then sentenced to life for another case in 1985, which is the year after she was killed, um, for rape, kidnapping, and sexual assault. Um, and then during the trial, excuse <coughs> me. During the trial, um, there was a whole bunch of other women that came forward, like with similar stories saying that he raped them and like beat them and stuff like that. Um, and then he tried to appeal the case, but of course it was denied because, like, sir, your DNA, all these people are coming. We know it was you. Um, so he, um, Dallas Police Department ended up reestablishing the unit to research uh, old uh, cold cases because of this case. Um, so he is actually on death row still um, with no execution date set. So he is still alive, but it took them that long to make the connection. And shout out to Sheila for checking in on this shit. Nobody else cared. So get did. you a Sheila. Get you a Sheila. <laughs> One day I'm going to tell a story on here, but it's just not going to be today, but. <laughs> but uh not nah, i got it no nah, i got tough didn't but i'm gonna yeah won't be today okay <laughs> it's it, it's very close to that story but it won't be today when you're ready Re, when you're ready yeah yeah <laughs> okay hey <laughs> ruby your turn <laughs> Okay, y'all. So mine like is gonna be kind of a mess because there wasn't like a nice written story like from beginning of this like person's childhood to the end of the case. It's just basically what was said in the courtroom and kind of whatever. So there's gonna be some things tossed up in there that you're like, what? But the ultimate what happens, um, or what he's charged for, whatever, at the end will be, yeah, I'll say that at the end and whatever. So it's just going to be a mess. But this one legit made me cry. <laughs> Usually I don't cry when I re- when like we re- I research this stuff. Um, if I'm watching it, I will cry. But researching it, I don't really cry. But this one made me tear up because it was just really like, ooh. So what had happened. So well, I'm reading from this article. So here we go. So Montgomery County State's attorney, John McCarthy, um, in the courtroom in, this is in 2016. So it happened in 2015, but this article was written in 2016 when they were already in court and the guy was caught and stuff. So he laid out the horrifying details of the murders of Richard and Julianne Villardo. Um, It was in May, 2015 when it happened in their Rockville home. Um, So the details were revealed um, during hearing, which Scott, okay, y'all, his last name has to be Russian or something, but it's like (laughs) Scott Tomaszewski. So, um, so, yep, I did. So, (laughs) so Scott, good old Scott, um, 32 year old next door neighbor to them. He was pleading guilty to two counts of first 
degree murder. So, and in the courtroom, he was wearing a green jumpsuit, which I don't know if I have seen a green jumpsuit. Have y'all? Mm-mm. the police jumpsuit or like that's like, his outfit yeah that's that, what i was like you mean like a, like a jail that's what he picked outfit or like jail outfit like his jumpsuit oh yeah well it depends on the facility because there's one that oh, i used to visit much. someone at that the <laughs> men did you hear me <laughs> the men and they usually like if they're like a shared facility they have to uh wear different colors to like identify yeah. themselves or like if they're like in like a drug program uh, or something well, yeah. they have to be like identify themselves like that so it could have been something like that okay fun fact I've just never seen- <laughs> fun fact re doesn't visit anyone in jail i don't give a fuck who you are I'm there's only coming. one person that i visited <laughs> in jail and that's gonna be the last one <laughs> i don't give a fuck who you are <laughs> i don't care so prosecutors were requesting that the judge sentence him to life in prison without the possibility of parole and during the beginning of this article his the court date for his sentencing was november 15th so it hadn't come up just yet um so um the uh the uh state's attorney uh john whatever his name is uh, he, he went through and explained the details of um, what happened. So they believed that Scott broke into the Villardo's home by cutting out the screen of a side window and climbing through between 1 and 2 a.m. on May 10th, 2015. Um, invest- investigators believed that he was armed with a two-foot-long black curved machete-style knife in a folding pocket knife. At the time, he was living with his parents in a house next door. Um, so the couple, mind you, they are in their 60s. So Richard is 65 and Ju- Julianne is, or Jody is tw- or, uh, 27, <laughs> uh, 67. <laughs> so they had returned home less than two hours before from a trip to a casino in West Virginia with a group of neighbors. So they were just out at the casino with their friends, just having a jolly good time. So once inside, Scott proceeded to the bedroom where he found Richard likely sleeping next um, to his wife. That's when the attack began. Scott um, started stabbing him, (laughs) started stabbing the husband. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. (laughs) Chad. (laughs) Dave's husband always distracts me the worst times. (laughs) So so Scott stabbed uh, Richard, awakening um, Julianne and causing her to flee from the room, which like, I get, but I don't know. Would y'all, would y'all run out of the room if like, if y'all's man's was being stabbed next to you? Why would we both die? Why why would we both die? (laughs) I mean, the kids somebody got to live to tell the tale. The kids need somebody. <laughs> Ain't no need these kids running around here being orphans. <laughs> so oh my God, you have me coughing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we made a great point. Why would you both die? So Julianne, there you go. So anyways, um, the investigators traced a trail of blood from the bedroom to the bathroom where they believe Richard had retreated after the initial attack, 
while Richard stood in the bathroom, possibly trying to get his stuff together, um, Julianne ran to the kitchen and attempted to grab a phone. That's when Scott, who was wearing black gloves and a black ski mask, began attacking her, throwing the phone to the ground and smashing it. Um, blood spattered on the kitchen ceiling and the, uh, the phone was shattered in all these, um, millions of pieces and the autopsy later revealed that Julianne suffered from two significant slashes, uh, to her neck that nearly decapitated her. So while his, while, um, she was being attacked, Richard stumbled into the kitchen, leaving a trail of blood behind him. He attempted to intervene falling onto a kitchen counter and leaving a trail of blood across his wife's legs um, before opening a sliding door and a collapsing onto the deck outside. Crime scene photos displayed in the courtroom showed the couple lying dead just feet apart from each other and just covered in blood. Um, the autopsy noted that Richard had been stabbed, slashed, and chopped 42 times while Julianne was cut and slashed 11 times. Um, so the... Attorney Mew said, I firmly believe the last act on earth Richard Villardo engaged in was trying to save his wife. <laughs> and y'all, <laughs> that's where it broke me. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. But just to make matters worse. Um, so in a police interview read aloud um, by John, Scott told a detective that after the couple was dead, he went into the refrigerator and grabbed, and I quote, and grabbed a ginger ale out of there because his throat was really dry. Yikesies. And, and he left a blood stain inside the fridge. <laughs> Whose son is this? Their next door neighbors just, just wait. Who, who fucking gave birth to this guy? She's like, whose man's is this? <laughs> Your son? It just it gets it gets worse it gets worse. Um, so the the this is this is actually the part that made me just like start crying. Um, so the couple's bodies were discovered were first discovered by their daughter, um, Catherine Villardo, who went to her um, parents' home after they failed to show up to a planned Mother's Day brunch that morning. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing the story because it was um, on Mother's Day. <laughs> and when this comes out, Mother's Day will be um, coming up soon. <laughs> mm. You halfway through the story, you just now saying that? I forgot. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, wait, did she just start talking? Like, did we switch to another episode? Like, why is she doing this? No, no, I you forgot. My brain I like, is like, not okay these days. <laughs> No, well, same with me. Obviously, I don't have my shit together. I'm just, but yeah, this, it happened on Mother's Day and that's why I'm doing it because y'all know I stick to my themes. So yeah, okay. Anyways, <laughs> so this is specifically the part that made me start crying. In the 911 call, they played it in court. Um, the daughter, Catherine, can be heard saying on the phone, can I close his eyes? Can I please close his eyes? As like she was describing like the whole scene to the dispatcher and I was like oh well <laughs> I just started sobbing because I'm like I don't even ever want to imagine having to live like no absolutely not no amount of therapy or medication would would be able to help me make it through that um so soon after her brother Andrew Villardo arrived with his wife um both of them which and they said it's an article both of them made it to the house before the police officers arrived wow i guess the police was like uh -huh. like we gotta take our time 
like, please, I'm sorry. When I call 911 and I'm telling you, my parents are chopped into almost a million different pieces in front of me. I feel like we should put a little, we'll step on it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, I can't even think about it. If they're already chopped up in the pieces and dead, what the fuck they gonna do? Day, I know you were not about to. Don't finish that sentence. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking. It. Well, what if the killer's still in the house? Like they don't I was know. Thinking like, it, but she, she just, said it. <laughs> he's definitely gone. He's definitely. Well, yeah, but like, what if the killer's still in the house? They don't know. It could be hiding. Like, okay, I didn't think about that part. But <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Man, the motherfucker definitely didn't stick just around. The way that you waited, I was like, well, they already did, so like, it's not gonna change if they get there in five minutes or five hours. But I get it. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I see from your point of view, though. I see from your point of view. So. Apparently, the details of the crime scene, everything left more than 100 people inside the courtroom, like sobbing, obviously. Um, So throughout their lives, Richard, the husband, he was a hotel developer. She was the former accountant. They had so many friends and they participated in all these neighborhood activities. So they were very well loved in the community. So people were upset, obviously. Um, After reviewing the crime, um, uh, the attorney just described a mountain of evidence that they had gathered towards Scott. This is where it just, it's just like, it's like, what? So the next door neighbor first came on investigators' radar after detectives conducted a canvas to see if other burglaries had happened in the neighborhood. They turned the home directly across the street, or they turned, Jesus Christ, they learned the home directly across the street had been burglarized just over a month before using pawn shop records they traced a class ring stolen from that burglary to a nearby jewelry store video surveillance from the store showed scott pawning that ring he was also linked to a burglary at their home that occurred in 1998 while he was house sitting so he literally they yeah yeah but they didn't they declined to prosecute the alleged crime because they said it was just it was neighborhood matters and just it the fuck is neighborhood matters no it's they were describing it as a neighborhood matter so they were just they were gonna figure out there i'm like no i don't know what kind of neighborhood they live in but they were like so close to everybody i'm like i'm fine with knowing some neighbors but that's how he paid them back (laughs) (laughs) yeah so man so um, tell me he got the death penalty. <laughs> well, <hold on. laughs> so as the evidence was mounting, two county police detectives went to Alaska where he had traveled on a planned cruise with his parents. He left on the trip two hours after he killed them. So he has parents? Yeah, he lives with them next door. So he has parents? Yes. At the, <laughs> he lives with his parents who are the next door neighbors to them. I'm fucking blown away. I would assume yeah. you didn't have anybody. No, I would he, assume you were fucking raised by Freddy Krueger. If you can get your ass up and go kill older people, I would yeah. assume. Yeah, it's just awful. So yeah, so literally two hours after he killed them, he then went to Alaska with his parents on a cruise. 
So detectives pulled him off the cruise ship <laughs> and found more evidence on him, literally on him. There was bloodstained money in his pocket, a folding knife. And then DNA tests later revealed the blood that was on the money <clears throat> was actually Richard's DNA. So he just really, he didn't even clean up. It's like, he didn't even shower before he, <laughs> before he went on this cruise. So <clears throat> a search of his parents' home found the clothes that he had worn during the attack, a pair of gloves um, with a hexagonal pattern that matched blood stains um, at the scene in a black ski mask. Um, during the subsequent interview with police, he admitted to stabbing them. He said the attack began after Richard had hit him, but obviously they said they didn't believe him. But I'm like, so what you're saying is you were in someone's house in the middle of the night and you killed them because they hit you? Is that what he's saying? Because <laughs> it sounds like that's saying? what he's saying. Well, he should have been hit as a child. Maybe he wouldn't. Have... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Gonna... But... What I was going to say was horrible. <laughs> so I won't say that. <laughs> but Jesus. Yeah. Just it gets better. So, um, the, uh, the prosecutors ever said there was multiple signs that he had plotted the murders ahead of time. A Google search history from his cell phone showed that he searched for how to open a locked window from outside the day before the attack. (laughs) They also found a photo of a two foot long black machete knife. He had sent to a former girlfriend on the phone with a message that said, you don't have a hockey, a hockey mask I can borrow, do you? I need to get some work done. What's going on? Like, he didn't yeah. even try not to get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the prosecutors showed um, a similar knife in the court, but they weren't able to find the actual one that they believed he used to kill them because that is because they later found out that they, when they were searching his parents' house, that his mother told them that she took a blue backpack holding jewelry, watches, and a machete type blade that she found inside her home to the county dump. She said she threw it away after their, they, she threw it away after the family returned from Alaska. I'm so sick of her. So the prosecutor's or they were saying that the prosecutors may um, have asked her to testify against her son had the case gone to trial. Um, and so he, he figured out that that may have encouraged Scott to plead guilty. Cause he's like, Oh geez, like my mom. Oh my God. So prior to his plea, um, Scott's attorney had been pursuing a possible plea um, that he was not criminally responsible due to mental state. Oh, that that bullshit but um oh and then it's like scott said to the court um, that he suffered from depression and anxiety and i'm like same but mm, uh, i don't have next door neighbors and <laughs> kill them so <laughs> um but he had four doctors um examine him and they all said he was mentally fit <laughs> to stand for trial so it's like mm, sorry this so sociopath that's all yeah. So the investigators literally were struggling so hard to find a motive for the attack. Like there wasn't really a motive for it. Um, there's just like, there was no rational explanation to, to his behavior. It was just 
a freaking cold calculated attack. Um, so he also read, <laughs> John um, also read in the court, the Facebook messages that Scott posted after the murders while he was in Alaska. He just One, did not stop. One wished his own mother a happy Mother's Day. The second addressed the killings, saying, my deepest sympathies go out to our neighbors who were found deceased today. I pray that their children are somehow able to make it through this horrible tragedy. They were such nice people. I can't imagine who would do this. Oh, my God. He evil, evil. Later on in the same thread, he criticized the police department's response, saying how the officers told people in the neighborhood to not be afraid. And so he said, I'm like 200 miles away and it's still scary. And then he described the police as lazy and said, how are these assholes employed? Wow. And then um, addressing the, that quote to the, <laughs> after the, after his guilty plea, the uh, John, the attorney said he found out exactly how, lazy the montgomery county police were when they put cuffs on him five days later (laughs) (laughs) we ain't that lazy motherfucker right so then andrew the son spoke on behalf of their family you know thanking everyone for their hard work and for you know catching the monster and everything and his he still has a sister in the extended family and he said you know the reason he's able to keep going is because of all of them and then finally on December 13th, 2016, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. That, that ain't enough. It shouldn't be, but it shouldn't be the, it shouldn't be the, uh, it shouldn't be gas. It shouldn't be the electric chair. It shouldn't be any of those things. Mm-hmm. They should like snatch all his toenails off. Mm-hmm. And then, like, cut his eyelids off and flashlights <laughs> in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, put false lashes on. Yes, and let them let the let the glue dry and then snatch them off. <laughs> like shit, like that. I absolutely agree to all of you. They should about. also make him get like a bikini wax <laughs> right before. <laughs> with Just the do all of the with the bunch. <laughs> Man. Oh Lord! Is... Oh, well, wow, took yep. some turns. <laughs> it did. It was a hard one. Um, Reed, do we have any bonus material this week? I think that's what we we'll start calling it. <laughs> bonus material, because I never I like know what it. you're gonna say. <laughs> I digs it. I digs it. Okay, so mm-hmm. let me find it. <laughs> so I found it on the shade room. Uh, I found on the shade room today, actually. <laughs> so, these two people who are a couple, they are an engaged couple. Um, they planned a wedding, a beautiful wedding, a beautiful, beautiful, you know, shindig, uh, at a multi million dollar mansion. I mean, they, they had the carpets rolled out. They had planned, you know, they had invited folks and, you know, sent out invites and evites and all kind of bites. And um, they planned on having a red carpet cocktail hour on Saturday for the wedding. And then on Sunday, they had a brunch lined up. So, you know, um, 
this is Courtney and Shanita Jones. And uh, Courtney, he went, you know, to go check on the house to make sure, you know, everything was going along well. And um, the owner was there. <laughs> and the owner was there because he did not tell the motherfuckers they could have a wedding at his goddamn house. <laughs> So they had just planned this whole wedding because they didn't think nobody lived in the house. They thought the house was just sitting there. It so, is. <laughs> what? Because the house was for sale. The house was for sale and Courtney, the male, he went to the house like he was going to buy it. So he was like, oh shit, ain't nobody here. So him and Bay, they planned a wedding. <laughs> what? What? Oh my god! Please. Wow. Woo! Wow. So, needless to say, that's <laughs> nobody was allowed at the wedding. <laughs> that's an interesting one. It has a brunch planned and everything. Yeah. They didn't have shit set up. Okay, the folks was ready. This was happening in Florida too. So, of course, yeah. it was Florida. <laughs> Folks was ready. <laughs> Lord. All right, y'all. It's been another episode of Murder Moses. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. Make sure y'all follow us on Instagram, Twitter, tell your friends about us, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Yes. Bye.